0: One of the things that I've been trying to be intentional about doing is giving some background information about parts of the text that remind us or are, are in line with the culture that would have been the original audience at the time that some of these scriptures were written, the, the ancient Near Eastern cultures that existed at the time, Mesopotamia, Babylon, those kinds of things. But, but one thing that Psalm 8 does is it points out a very distinct difference between Yahweh, the Hebrew people, the people of Israel, and God's relationship with them compared to the gods of the ancient Near Eastern people groups. I pray that this message blesses you. Hey, friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Hey friends, before we get into today's episode, I have a quick word. I know that you have been frustrated with being confident in how to tell the difference between hearing from God and wondering if it's your own voice. I know, I've been there myself. That's why I wrote the Bible study, She Hears, Learning to Listen to Jesus. This is a six-week study that takes you through the book of John, looking at six women in the life of Jesus, how he calls them, how he encourages them, how he equips them. It also teaches the color method of Bible study, helping you to learn how to really understand the scriptures. I also include a lot of cultural and historical information that makes these familiar passages of scripture really come alive. This is a great study to do with maybe your teen girls or a group of friends from church, and it will really help you gain confidence in how to hear from the Lord and set you up with some tools that will stay with you long after the study is over. Again, head to shehears.org and you can find the Bible study on the resources page. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we are in Psalm 8, which is another Psalm of David. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise. Because of your enemies, to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the work of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I think this is one of those Psalms that a lot of us are familiar with because it's used pretty frequently in lots of church services and ceremonies. And so some of this language and terminology is probably something that you're familiar with. I love the imagery that we see here, but I do want to point out uh, some aspects of things that we might miss because we live now and not when this was originally written. The Psalm starts out and it talks about the glory above the heavens. And at the time that imagery glory above the heavens would have been really familiar to the audience that this was written to because in things like, uh, Egyptian cosmology, there was different goddesses that were pictured uh, when they were portrayed, uh, their images were portrayed. They would be pictured arching over the earth and, um, having like, there was one that was named sky that would have stars and heavenly lights all over her body. And so the Mesopotamian religions would, would also view some of these heavenly objects as deities. And so there was a sense that whatever was displayed in the heavens was a deity or a God. So one of the Egyptian gods was called the hidden one. And he was, Said to be farther above than heaven, and so this was a really common sentiment that the heavens were where the deity, deity was. And so, as the psalm is being written, as as David is is setting the record straight, so to speak, and he's talking about God being the one who is having His glory set above the heavens, we see David speaking to God's authority as the one and only God and even in in that declaration of praising God for who he is he is setting the standard in a, in a way that that first um initial audience would have understood the the reference to the importance of God being the one Yahweh being the one who is receiving the glory of the heavens. And similarly, those religions or those people groups, they would take the things like the placement of the stars and they would have individual gods, like I think Marduk was the one that they gave the credit to placing the stars in the heavens. And so um, the Hebrew response to that is the reality of god being the one as the creator it's not all these other gods that they're they're giving all these other roles and things to but 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 yahweh as the creator is the one that set those stars in heaven and the point really is that it was god's power yahweh's power that was displayed by placing these stars here and i think that's just important to realize because um, I don't think we we quite understand the way that some of these other nations that were surrounding Israel would address some of these things. And we we don't we don't have that kind of focus in our lives, so sometimes we we miss the significance. So I think it's important to point that out. In verse four, verse four says, What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care about him? This is a really important verse because the dignity of human beings is is something that's stressed in this passage in a way that is completely unparalleled in the ancient Near East. Um, Basically, according to the Mesopotamian sources, people, humankind, men and women were really created to relieve the workload of the gods. They were basically forced to cultivate land in order to feed the gods or the growing human population, if it became too noisy, then the gods would extinguish them. And even things like the flood, um, they felt like the the flood was a result of them not offering enough food to the gods. And the gods felt that the people were, you know, expendable. And so even though humanity survived the flood, they they kind of explained that as... Um, that the gods had a a decree that there was certain afflictions that they were just going to have to deal with and this would help control them. So they won't get out, get out of hand again. Um, but, but according to Psalm eight, what we're seeing is humankind is far from expendable and far from just being a slave to the gods or, or God, human beings are special objects that the creator has created on purpose and he cares about in the midst of this vast universe. And so we see this idea of God's care for his people as a radical new idea that would have been completely foreign to the people living at the time. It was an idea that was unique to Yahweh and Israel. And it was, it was explained in a way that would really appeal to the hearts of the people that would have been living at the time. Verses 4 through 6 um, are replicated in the New Testament. We see them um, in Hebrews, we see them in Ephesians. But we have to realize that the only reason that these truths, we're talking about four through six, what is the man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. That section right there, that's talking about Jesus. And it's only realized in Jesus that these truths can be perfectly realized. And so Jesus is the one as a representative of the human race He is the one that has full power and authority over creation and that God has given the authority to. In verse 5, when it talks about with glory and honor, basically the psalm is expressing the honor that God has given to humankind um, through Jesus and God created us for a purpose. So we're not just like the animals or a product of evolution or a product of chance, but we know instead we are created in God's image to reflect his character and also to fulfill his purpose. And so I I think it's important to, to recognize that this is a really important example that, that David is writing about because he's wanting to explain that. As humankind, we are so valuable to God that we are a special object of his love and favor. And he chose humankind to rule over creation. And so the fact that we hold such a favored position with God, it's not a reason for us to have pride. But it's a reason for taking personal responsibility for the trust that God has given to us. To be good stewards of the things that he has given us. And and we see that throughout the rest of this passage. There's, there's something that's an undercurrent too, that I think I want to point out the way that, um, in verse five, it talks about, you made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with, with glory and honor. When it's talking about heavenly beings, it's, um, translated, it can be translated as God, but it's also talking about, um, basically the angels, divine beings, heavenly beings, And so the Mesopotamian culture at that time would have relegated humans to basically being servants to divine beings. But what this is doing in Psalm eight is it's placing such human dignity equal to the council of the heavenly realm. So um, it's not that human beings are serving the divine beings. If anything, um, humans are the divine representatives to rule over the earth, that God has given humans the responsibility for. And so Psalm 8 can kind of be almost like a poetic commentary about the creation or the status of of God creating man and woman that is found back in Genesis. Because here in Psalm 8, what we see is that every human is uniquely designated the the honor of being responsible to rule over creation, to be a good steward of the things that God has given us. So six through eight, you made him ruler over the work of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all the flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim the pass of the seas. God created humanity as essentially this guardian of creation. And that is something that I think we sometimes forget. And, and you know, you might, I, I remember talking about this with my husband one time and I was talking about this concept and he said, oh, you're just a tree hugger. And I said, I'm not a tree hugger. I think we need to be good stewards of the creation that God has given us the opportunity to, to enjoy. And I think sometimes we forget about that um, and the responsibility that we have as believers to help um, speak into that space. And it's done differently in Israel, in the Hebrew texts, than it is anywhere else in the ancient Near East. It's a different philosophy. It's a different thought about the reasons why humankind was created. And and this really is a groundbreaking idea for that initial culture or those initial people groups that were alive at the time. Because this was something that was completely unparalleled. It was completely different than what they knew to be true of the other quote-unquote gods that they worshipped and and what we start to see in the psalms is again this is pointing toward to jesus because some of these things are only fully realized in him and through him but what we're starting to see is all these different ways that the text remember when this was written long before jesus was born the text is pointing to 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 jesus as the solution for some of these situations. And so um, this is one of the ways that we know that we can verify that the scriptures are God breathed, God ordained, God inspired, because some of these things that, that are written in here would not be fully realized until Jesus himself came. And the evidence that we see is the fact that David in his humanity was able to pinpoint some of the very things that would be happening down the road. The wisdom and the revelation that comes from that is just a testimony to God's hand as he was writing. So given some of those insights, I'm going to read it again. Psalm chapter 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens from the lips of children and infants. You have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet all flocks and herds and beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. God, we thank you for the way that Psalm 8 reveals things about your nature as the creator and the place and the value you place on humankind. The difference between the way the world tends to view things versus the way that you view things. God, I pray that we would be good stewards of the things that you've given us rulership over, the things that you have called us to be responsible for. But God, help us to recognize the value you place on us as your children, as the creator loves his creation. God, help us not to forget that. We thank you and we praise you for the way that you Reveal yourself to us through your word, Jesus name. Amen. Hey friends, I want to let you know about a couple resources before we close out the show today that I pray will bless you. If you have already done the She Hears Bible study and you're trying to think, okay, what's next? Or if you are coming alongside of us and doing the Psalm study and you want to make notes, but you're either don't have a Bible because a lot of us use our phones or maybe you don't want to write in your study Bible or you have a special Bible you don't want to write in. I have some resources for you in the shop. You can go to shehears.org and you can get a link there or I think there's a link to my Etsy shop in the show notes. But what I have available is a couple different resources that, um, particularly journaling Bibles or note-taking Bibles that you can write in. You can make notations in. There's space to write in, and they're a little bit thicker paper so you don't bleed through. I have highlighters available for you. I have um, my Bible studies in there. I have prayer journals available, and we have more coming. Uh, But those are all good resources to kind of help you further this goal of Opening the word, studying the word, and getting the word into your heart and your mind so you can hear Jesus more clearly. Also, I have two other free resources I want to make sure you know about. One is our Facebook group. It's the Christian Women's Daily Bible Study group. And I'm sorry, guys. It's just for the women. But that group is a place to encourage each other, to pray for each other, to ask questions, to get feedback on things and to share what God's doing in our lives. And what we're seeing is people starting to share and encourage each other, which I love. It's a place for us to just build some community together. And then the second thing is the email list. And one of the things that we're doing we started to do the last couple of weeks is doing journaling prompts alongside of the email list. So each day there's a journaling prompt for you to kind of just help you process the things that we're learning and hearing and reading and I think that journaling process, even if it's only a couple minutes a day, is a really big key factor in helping us to kind of get that word hidden inside of our hearts. So again, um, if you go to shehears.org, you can sign up for that newsletter. It comes out just once a week on Mondays. It's essentially a recap of what we've been talking about, some journaling prompts, an opportunity to pray, and also some news or events. If I'm speaking somewhere, we'll we'll put all that information in there. So I really appreciate. hearing all the things that God is teaching you, and I I pray that those resources are a blessing to you.